News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Aging Matters. I'm Jason Kong, and this show is made possible through the support of Transitions Life Care. And thank you, Cooper Linton, for being alongside. Happy to be here this evening. Absolutely. And as a regular presence, as always, Nicole Bruno with Transitions Guiding Lights. Good evening. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Nicole. And guys, we are into March here, and it's Brain Health Month, and we've got a very, very timely guest for this month. We do. Uh, We have Vivian Green. She's the Executive Director for Alzheimer's North Carolina. Alzheimer's North Carolina has been uh, serving this community for many years on issues of Alzheimer's and Alzheimer's-related dementias, and I think we're going to explore that a little bit more today. Uh, But welcome to the show, Vivian. Thank you very much, Cooper. It's a pleasure to be here. So how long have you been here? You're relatively new in your role, is that right? I am. I am. I'm new to North Carolina as well as being new to my role. I moved to North Carolina in July of last year, loving it here, um, and started in my position as executive director in middle of December. And I know that you have just hit the ground running. You've made a big splash already. People have been really impressed with the direction that you're taking your organization, Alzheimer's North Carolina. So congratulations with all that. Thank you very much, Nicole. So I know one of the things that are on, that's on a lot of people's minds um, really has to do with what Jason was just talking about. How do we maintain our brains? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a big, big issue. And we know that over 50% of the people over the age of 85 will have some sort of a dementia diagnosis. And People are wondering and have all kinds of questions as to why this is happening. But I think we should start off with, you know, how do we actually keep what we've got going good for us now? Well, I think the most important thing to remember is um, the brain is an organ and we take care of the other organs in our bodies by eating right, getting enough rest, trying to reduce stress, exercise. And the brain needs all of those things to function correctly as well. It's... um, It's like a muscle. If you don't exercise it and use it, it will start to degrade. So I I think that just having a healthy lifestyle, making sure that you're getting the right nutrition um, makes a big difference. You need to consider the fact that your brain functions with um, oxygen. So breathing and exercise and getting your blood flowing correctly are also really important. So one of the things that I often hear uh, sort of touted about in 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 the research that I've seen is really, if you think about what's good for your heart is good for your brain. Yes. So a lot of these diets that they suggest that we have, um, you know, make sure that it's low red meat, um, low in fat, low in cholesterol, that kind of thing is actually quite healthy for your brain. Mm-hmm. And one of the other things that I've often heard is that the incidence of Alzheimer's related dementia is actually much higher in the United States as it is across the world. And, you know, if you look about it, obesity is such a huge yes. issue in this country yes. and the sedentary lifestyle that we live and the instant gratification lifestyle. You know, you can just go to any fast food place around the corner and get an entire meal for a dollar and a half. But to go to the grocery store and to buy the food that would actually be healthy for you is sometimes just economically not available to folks. So um, I'm kind of wondering, you know, what are what are we doing? Or, or are you even aware of what we're trying to do as a country to try to help people do better and eat healthier? Um, well, I think there's, I mean, the, the President's Council on Fitness has been in existence for, you know, many, many decades. And I think that was sort of the first realization that, that we really need to, as a nation, get more exercise, be healthier, get outside, um, move our bodies. I think there's, um, there's kind of a, a, a certain level of um, 
you, you mentioned the sedentary lifestyle that we have, but there's a certain level of um, feeling, I think, in this country that if we put things aside, they, it, it's okay, and we can exercise later, or we can take care of our health later. We, we've got plenty of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really uh, bad for us to be thinking that. We don't encourage our children to eat healthy or exercise. So if we're not starting out in the very beginning with that kind of healthy lifestyle choice, when we get to be older adults, it's even more difficult because it's just not part of how we normally live. So don't put it off. Start now. Exactly. Be engaged. Start using your mind. Stay healthy. Do things that oxygenate your body, that exercise your body, that are healthy. And to your point, Nicole, heart healthy because health is health. I mean, if your body is healthy, it's the brain's healthy, the heart is healthy, the kidneys are healthy. Exactly. And I think we sometimes get very organ-specific um, but the reality is the body works as a, as a larger unit. Exactly. And, you know, the other thing that we talk about with brain health is exercising your brain in terms of the cognitive types of exercise, if you want to call it that. Um, and so, you know, for many years there was um, kind of a belief that if you do crossword puzzles every day mm-hmm. that it's going to exercise your brain and that's going to impact, you know, your your ability to stave off any kind of mm-hmm. um, issues with or symptoms with dementia or Alzheimer's or, or whatever. And I think that there's now kind of a changing perception of exercising your brain doesn't necessarily mean something like words on a page or doing multiplication tables or it's things like that. It's a lot like of that. things. It's a multi-prong approach, really. Absolutely. It's doing that. It's driving home a different way than you normally yes. go. It's, it's challenging your brain mm-hmm. in different ways that don't have to be really difficult. You don't have to, you know, read War and Peace or something like that. <laughs> right. Just right. reading a different book or... Learning a new skill. Learning a new skill or doing something that you have always wanted to do and put aside because of family responsibilities or not having enough time or whatever. Um, Take up uh, an art class or learn a musical instrument. Mm -hmm. Um, Get out in your garden. I mean, you talked about how nutrition sometimes is challenging for people because it's not necessarily affordable. Mm -hmm. I would challenge people to think of it in a different way. If you combine some of those things like exercising your brain, exercising your body and eating right, one of the things that you can do that's very simple is create a garden. It's going to make you exercise a little bit to plant things mm-hmm. and to to um, bring in your crops, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that you may not necessarily have thought of as brain challenging, but you have to figure out what plants to plant. Mm-hmm. You've got to learn about them. So it's going yep. to give your brain that exercise piece. And it's going to give you the nutrition if you plant things that you can eat. Definitely, definitely. That's a great idea. And even if space is an issue, you can do patio and container gardening. I mean, there are all all kinds of ideas, especially if you have access to the internet. You can look things up and just be amazed at the things you can do with a very tiny little space. The wonder of Pinterest. Yes, yes. Yes. It's the the curse and the blessing, especially Mm -hmm. if you're a parent, because you you get on Pinterest. (laughs) Ooh, I can do this. I'm going to tell you what, and then you feel guilty for not doing all those cool things for your kids. (laughs) So, but, you know, you... It used to be that, you know, you hear the word cancer, and that would be the thing that would scare the bejesus out of everybody, quite literally. Now, when you ask people what are they most scared of, they're scared of Alzheimer's or dementia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, cancer is something you can live with a lot of times, so it, chronically, or you'd be cured. With Alzheimer's, we still know that that is a disease that is, has a terminal diagnosis. We cannot cure Alzheimer's disease. Mm-hmm. And I know your time with Alzheimer's North Carolina has been limited, but what are some of the things that you're hearing from families? I'm sure, you know, when they have a loved one, one of the things that I see is a, a parent that's diagnosed, they, they're pretty scared 
about their future. Yes. Well, I think that's the biggest thing um, really is the fear factor because it is one of those diseases that doesn't have a cure and because it impacts people individually. So there's not really an understanding necessarily or a um, a process that you can wrap your arms around that says, okay, when the symptoms start, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. With every single person, it impacts them differently. And so it impacts the family difference, differently. And the fear of the unknown of what's going to happen next, I think, um, really puts it uh, in a very stressful and anxiety-causing kind of place when people have that first diagnosis. And I think it also really creates a challenge from a planning perspective Absolutely. for caregivers is because you, the trajectory is not quite so clear. Yes. So then it's very challenging and, and anxiety-producing to try and determine how do mm-hmm. I be a caregiver? How do I plan, prepare, um, really be there for them? Exactly. Um, and and you, you mentioned planning is, is a challenge, but I think um, – it's also something that's incredibly important because we see a lot of families who come to us when they're already in crisis. They've, they've had a diagnosis, things have progressed to a certain point, and now they just don't know what to do. They've, they've gotten to a place where they're not sure what resources are still available, their loved one is now possibly looking at long-term care or at symptoms that can't necessarily be managed at home. And that's another scare factor is how do I make a decision for that person. Our guest is Vivian Green of Alzheimer's North Carolina. You can find more information about them online at alznc.org. And when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion on Alzheimer's and related dementias. And we'll also get into what you can be doing right now to maintain a healthy brain. A quick break and back. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care founded as Hospice of Wake County. You can find them online at transitionslifecare.org. This is News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters care and comfort that surrounds you. I'm Jason Kong. Alongside me, as always, Nicole Bruno and Cooper Linton. Our special guest this week is Vivian Green of Alzheimer's North Carolina. And Cooper, we were having a discussion during the break uh, about Alzheimer's and uh, related dementias. And I'm I'm learning that uh, that's a wide spectrum. Uh, I, I thought that this was uh, a bit more narrow initially, but uh, I'm, I'm being schooled here, Cooper, that this is kind of a wide-ranging topic. Well, I think we're all being schooled in this. Uh, we've never seen the prevalence of dementia like we're facing now, and it is changing the way we have to think about uh, preparing for to deal with this illness, the trajectory of care for caregivers, uh, the ability to try and stave off the illness by by making some healthy choices, and that's what uh, Vivian and Nicole were talking mm-hmm. about earlier. Vivian, during the during the break, you you brought up again some of these these healthy living ideas that can have a positive impact now on reducing likelihood in the future. Can you can you explore that a little more, please? Sure. I mean, we talked about exercising our brain and exercising our bodies, but there are also other things that um, we need to incorporate into a healthy lifestyle. And getting enough sleep is one, um, and obviously that impacts the brain significantly. And as we age, sometimes our sleep patterns change, makes it more difficult for us to get a good night's sleep. 
and we require less sleep. As we age, we, we go from needing eight hours of sleep to sometimes just only needing six or six and a half. But it needs to be good quality sleep. So we need to kind of look at when we come to the end of the day, what are we doing to relax ourselves and things like meditation or relaxation, getting exercise, which also helps us sleep and gives us better rest. Um, that's really important. Managing what other health concerns you have. As we age, we also end up with um, having to deal with other types of chronic health issues like heart or blood pressure, um, diabetes. All of those impact our brain as well. And we need to make sure that we're managing what other types of chronic issues we have on top of ensuring that our brain is going to be healthy. Um, and maintaining an active social network. I think we don't really realize now we live in such a world of technology how important it is to connect with other human beings, have relationships, have um, conversation, just hang out with other people. One of the, the, the research um, has, has shown that the impact on older adults' level of depression or happiness quotient, whatever you want to call it, increases. Um, people are able to live healthier lives if they have an active social network. And when we age, everybody around us who is our support system ages with us. And sometimes we lose those people and we end up feeling very isolated and alone. And having a diagnosis of Alzheimer's or dementia on top of that can be even more isolating and even more fear causing. So to be able to know that you have a support group, a social network is, is really important. You know, Vivian, you mentioned something about technology, and technology is great, but it can also be not so great when you come down with a diagnosis of Alzheimer's and related dementia. You know, one of the things that I think people do is they start Googling and searching for everything under the sun online, and it is really hard to find good, reliable sources. I mean, you will find all these snake oil treatments, you know, get these fillings out of your mouth or throw out those Teflon pans or, you know, whatever it is, you know, you know, it's 5,000% of the daily recommended amount of vitamin E. I mean, there's all kinds of things that people see, and people are just so desperate to find a cure that they start doing things to themselves. And I think it's really important for folks to be able to find good, reliable websites to get information. And while you might hear one family member's anecdotal comment that we feel like this helps, it's really important to, to learn how to sort of filter some of that other ancillary stuff out. Do you have any suggestions? You know, I'm sure you, you a phone call comes in to your organization when somebody gets a diagnosis and they say, what do I do next? You know, after they've done the whole Google thing and scared themselves to death. Right. How, do you, how do you direct people to find the support that they need and, and how do you help them figure out where they should be looking online? Well, I think one of the most important things is support, as you mentioned. We have um, a whole list of resources on our website, which is www.alznc.org. So I would certainly um, recommend that people go to our website and just click on the resources tab, and they'll, they'll find some um, places to go that will give them some consistent and real information. As you mentioned, it can be overwhelming. I mean, the same thing happens when you type in cancer or anything else, a, a diagnosis that is a scary diagnosis um, doesn't need to have that overwhelming factor on top of it. But we also have a variety of support groups where people can come who are experiencing the same thing, whether it's a new diagnosis or they've been dealing with a diagnosis that's been in existence for a period of time. And people can share information about what 
resources they have found to be successful for themselves as well. And sometimes just having another person to talk to who's going through the same thing that you are can have such incredible benefit. As I mentioned before, it's just such an isolating feeling when you all of a sudden find out that your loved one has a terminal disease. And as you mentioned, there is no cure for Alzheimer's. So that's the, the fear factor again. Um, so going to our website, looking at the resources that we have available, talking to my staff, we have a very knowledgeable staff at Alzheimer's North Carolina who are very happy to share resources and information that they have that's worked for others. And joining one of our support groups. We have support groups in, in practically every county across the state, and we can connect people with others who are going through the same thing. So when we look at what caregivers are going through, we say they're going through the same thing, and it can be a very different experience depending on where you are in the stage of dementia. Um, and we'll use the term dementia, not just Alzheimer's, because uh, it's uh, the more inclusive term that, uh, in reality, sometimes we don't know exactly what form of dementia someone, someone has. Right. And oftentimes, the specific diagnosis is not all that relevant. Uh, it's really that you can't, you can't cure it. You have to feel, figure out how to manage it. And then the, the caregiver trajectory part of this is really has been likened to a marathon. Mm -hmm. You know, people are living for years and years with this, uh, and it's altering lifestyles for families. How do, how do caregivers kind of prepare themselves for this long trajectory of the unknown? Well, I, I think even just talking about brain health and, and healthy lifestyle, part of it is um, making sure to take some time to take care of yourself Caregivers get so invested and so overwhelmed by the, um, the amount of time and impact that the diagnosis has um, on their families that their own personal needs end up being put aside. And what we see sometimes is that those caregivers then end up with illnesses or stress-related um, issues as well and if they are not healthy and they're not able to deal with what the situation is then they're not able to be um, functioning as a caregiver as well and that i think is even more challenging for families and we see that a lot as i mentioned we have calls that come in from families that are in a crisis situation because they've done everything they can they just now are at rock bottom and they can't cope any longer and they need to have additional services for example they might need some in-home care they might need to start planning ahead for long-term care for their loved one and those are difficult challenging decisions and we can help um, individuals who and families who have to make those types of decisions and connect them with the resources that they need so that they can feel like they're they're helping um, their their loved one to be able to move forward you know, I know we have to take a break soon, but I'd like to start off with this question and then maybe finish it up when we come back. We're making the assumption here on the show that everybody knows what Alzheimer's disease is and what the symptoms are and, and kind of what are the warning signs. So I'd love for you, while we talked about how to maintain our brains, what are some of the things we should be looking out for if suddenly we feel like something might be slipping? What are some of those warning signs? Well, I think the early signs um, are memory loss of recent events and information. It's... It, you know, you don't remember this morning what you had for breakfast. Um, 
everybody has sort of lapses in memory, like you lose your keys or you can't find your glasses. That's just sort of a normal thing that happens to us all, all through our lives. But specific types of memory loss, recent loss, uh, memory loss of recent events, confusion, um, getting someplace and kind of not knowing where you are and what's happening is yeah. also a, a big symptom. Yeah, and uh, I, there's a ton more symptoms that we'll get to. I'm sorry to cut you off, Vivian, but That's we uh, got to take a quick break here. And again, our guest is Vivian Green with Alzheimer's North Carolina. You can find more information about them at alznc.org. A quick break and back. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care founded as Hospice of Wake County. You can find them online as well at transitionslifecare.org. This is News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you. I'm Jason Kong, and alongside me, as always, Nicole Bruno with Transitions Guiding Lights, Cooper Linton with Transitions Life Care, and our special guest this week is Vivian Green of Alzheimer's North Carolina. And Nicole, uh, right before the break, Vivian was discussing symptoms of Alzheimer's, and uh, these are some very important warning signs that a lot of people may kind of just dust off and think, okay, that was a one-time occurrence, but well, yeah. these, these are pretty important. And, you know, some of those things are, you know, one-time occurrences, Jason. We all have those days. I literally, I, I think I put the peanut butter in the refrigerator the other day, <laughs> and I put, of course, now I have chickens, so we leave the eggs out on the counter, which is very confusing to me, but I put things that belong in places where they just don't go. But I know it's just because I'm cr- I'm just crazy as a loon and, and super busy. I'm, I'm, I'm a special person, mm-hmm. yes. But, you know, t- to Vivian's point, when these things start building up and they start impacting your life and, and your family. And, um, you know, if it's just you're supposed to go to the grocery store and you don't know how to get home, that's a bit concerning. Now, we've all unfortunately been on the phone driving home and forget where the heck we are, where the last five minutes went. But, um, but you know, if you literally don't know how to get home and you don't know how to use a GPS to even do it, that would be me. Um, <laughs> you know, then, then we've got some issues. So you covered kind of the first two symptoms uh, or signs that we look out for. What other ones exist? Well, another one is familiar tasks become really challenging. For example, not knowing how to tie your shoes. Mm-hmm. Or balancing um, your checkbook. Or balancing your checkbook. That kind of fits into sort of mental tasks, planning and problem solving. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, you talk about um, putting the peanut butter in the refrigerator, but if you put your keys in the refrigerator, that's a sign of being Uh a little confused. I think I've done Um, that. Yes. (laughs) Trouble trouble finding words or finishing sentences. I think as we get older, we sometimes have a hard time remembering a a word necessarily. Sometimes, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it just is difficult, but it comes to you eventually. Right. But someone who just doesn't know a word or, or can't think of a word and it, it doesn't come And back. they just stutter and stick on it or, right. or call, call a spoon a cup, yes. you know, or try to use exactly. a cup as a spoon. Yes, you know, that's, exactly. that's a whole other thing. Exactly. And then one of the other big pieces, too, which sometimes starts the process of really questioning whether someone... Um, is dealing with a diagnosis is changes in mood mm-hmm. um, and ability to be able to um, 
reason, altered judgment, mm-hmm. making re- really bad decisions when a person has up to that point been really good about managing their lives. Yeah, or money. I mean, I've heard stories where people yes. have literally just, you know, trusted somebody to fix their roof. And then the next thing you know, they put new siding on. The siding was just put on last year. Right. And so they lose their entire life savings because exactly. they're just, I had a gentleman, I remember um, when I was working in a skilled nursing facility who would go out in, in his taxi and he would go to the dollar store or what have you. Well, one day when he came back, um, the taxi driver came in and, and said, and he was an honest taxi driver, thank goodness. He said, I think there's something wrong with your resident because when I told him how much the fare was, he just handed me his wallet and said, take what you need. Yeah. He's, he just couldn't figure it out anymore. Yeah. And so these are subtle things. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. I, the one thing I think we need to make people understand too is that it's not if you have one of these symptoms, you definitely have a dementia diagnosis. It's it's more of a collection of things, yes. a pattern that's going on. Yes, absolutely. And and it's a change in being able to deal with everyday life activities. So, you know, a caregiver or, or a loved one will recognize there's just, you, and intuition as well, mm-hmm. there's just something not quite right with how their loved one is actually dealing with their lives at this point. So yes, the multiple symptoms Another um, symptom to think about, too, is if a person is just withdrawing from the world, Mm -hmm. saying, I'm not going to go out anymore, I'm just going to stay home, and just sort of um, pulls themselves away Mm -hmm. from social activities that they might have been involved in in the the past, becomes maybe um, somewhat paranoid or suspicious about people, Mm -hmm. and isolates themselves. Those are warning signs to really look at. But those can also be signs and symptoms of other things. Right. So most importantly, if you start to notice changes in your loved one, mm-hmm. don't kind of assume that you are going to be correct in, a, in there being a diagnosis of Alzheimer's, for example. Go right. and see the physician. And there could be other things going on. And, Absolutely. you know, we're going to talk about a, another side of dementia in general in just a moment. But there are things that mimic Alzheimer's disease that are reversible. I mean, things like, and and I know in your past you worked in nutrition and senior health, you know, malnutrition is is a huge one. Um, Depression. Yes. Uh, issues with thyroid, yeah. things like that, all these things. Yeah, uh, yeah and, and in urinary tract infections, what we call bladder infections. I mean, right. they what, the way you and I may present sitting here in the studio having to jump up and use the bathroom every five minutes presents very differently in an older adult. They may not feel those pain sensations and, and yes. the infection shows up in different ways. And it's well known that, particularly in older adults that are dealing with other chronic issues, that a urinary tract infection can also result in more aggressive behavior and that sometimes is as you said that's something that's very manageable and can change what some of those behaviors might be diabetes can also impact mood swings Um, so an uncontrolled diabetic can also have some of these symptoms and not being hydrated not drinking enough water which sometimes particularly um, older women will not drink enough water because it means you have to go to the bathroom a lot and that's embarrassing Um, but if you're not hydrated Confusion can happen, um, certainly memory loss. It, it does impact the brain. I mean, going back to brain health, your brain floats in like a bucket of water inside your head, actually. So if you're not drinking enough water, it's not just impacting all your other organs. It's also impacting your brain's ability to function. So Vivian, we've been talking about Alzheimer's, and we use that term. I've heard it used um, really inappropriately in, in the lay audience to describe any form of dementia. Uh, but I think it would be helpful for us to explore this concept of Alzheimer's, and then we hear the phrase related dementias. 
or other dementias. And could you speak to that for a minute? Because I think there's some misconceptions about what dementia is in general and what Alzheimer's is as a particular diagnosis. Sure. Thanks, Cooper. Dementia is um, really an, an overarching sort of umbrella term that um, describes a person having changes in brain function that interfere with their ability to function sort of in, an, in a normal daily world and do ev- everyday activities. There are many types of dementia and Alzheimer's is a type of dementia. I think people sometimes think Alzheimer's is the umbrella and then there's other dementias underneath that and it's really the other way around. Other dementias include vascular dementia, which um, is uh, the blood vessels are um, shrinking or closing up, and that's something that is more manageable. It can actually result in stroke, and we know that stroke is preventable. Again, we're talking about um, healthy lifestyle habits that can make a difference with that. Lewy body dementia, frontal temporal dementia, and mixed dementia, which means more than one type of dementia occurring in the same brain. Some of those are... Um, types of dementia that impact a very, very small percentage of the population. So Alzheimer's disease is the one that affects the most people. And I think the last statistic that I saw, it's somewhere around 170,000 people in North Carolina will be affected by Alzheimer's. So that's a huge number. And as we know, the population is aging. As we age, um, our Uh, potential for Alzheimer's increases. So that number is going to continue to grow. And to put that in a framework, that's like the entire population of Johnson County. I mean, 170,000 people out of the population of North Carolina is a very significant prevalence of a disease. Now, I know you have some educational programs upcoming. You've actually got quite a busy few months coming up. Can you share some uh, opportunities for people to get some information? Certainly. We have two caregiver conferences coming up um, on March 7th, which is just um, next week at Barton College. We have a caregiver's conference. And then on April 4th, we have a caregiver's education conference happening in Sanford. Um, So those are two um, conferences that I would definitely recommend people um, check out if they're in um, those areas. And again, you can go to our website, which is www.alznc.org, and pull down the events tab, and it will show you um, some information about both of those, what the program is and the speakers. And Alzheimer's North Carolina has been a partner with Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights uh, for several years in hosting the uh, Triangle Caregivers Com- Conference, which this year is going to be called the Tri- Caregiver Summit. And those are held in June. More information will be out about those conferences coming up. But Alzheimer's North Carolina has been a partner uh, with, with us for quite some time putting those conferences on, one in Raleigh and one in Durham. And uh, the, again, those will be in June of this year. Vivian Green, thank you so much for joining us here on Aging Matters. It's fantastic and very informative. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for inviting me to be here. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you, Cooper. Thank you for coming on the show. Glad to have you. You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF, you're listening to Aging Matters, Care and Comfort That Surrounds You. Jason Kong here, Nicole Bruno with Transitions Guiding Lights, Cooper Linton with Transitions Life Care. And guys, we just uh, wrapped up our discussion with Vivian Green of Alzheimer's North Carolina. And the Alzheimer's Association has an event uh, coming up Monday, right? 
It sure does. They're having their annual research symposium. Uh, it is going to be at the Friday Center in Chapel Hill from 5 to 8 p.m. And that is where you can go and get the latest and greatest information about research. And we talked a lot about the signs and symptoms of Alzheimer's and other types of dementia. And we talked a little bit about, you know, how do you maintain your brain? But this symposium is actually going to help people understand what the doctors are doing in, in our area specifically and nationally uh, to really help fight this disease, to come up with cures, to hopefully come up with preventions, and even help us maintain the current level that we're at once we get a diagnosis and maybe de- uh, slow down the progression some. So we're pretty excited about that. I know both Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights are sponsors of this symposium, and it's just an absolutely amazing experience. And the one thing I do have to say, you know, I'm talking about all these doctors talking about research. They really do bring it down to our level. Even I understood what they said. <laughs> that's was, saying something. That's it. They, they brought it down to my level, and I'm the LCD for understanding these things. And there, there were no sock puppets involved? This was just oh, a There were not, but I imagined you? them in my mind. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and I kind of wrote, you know, he said, she what is this? And I gave him me. some notes, you know. And give him, you know there, were, there was a short test at the end, but, you know, I really, I, I took it to the fourth grade level. We were okay. So our community is absolutely blessed. We have Alzheimer's NC. Um, that we just had on the show for the first three segments. We also have Alzheimer's Association uh, that's hosting the research symposium that Nicole just referenced. And you can find out more about that at alz.org. So we have two organizations that support uh, folks in our community that are struggling with Alzheimer's or other forms of dementia. Mm-hmm. And Definitely. I, I appreciate both of those organizations because they shorten their URLs to just ALZ. <laughs> and that, that helps me out a lot. I still have to spell check Alzheimer's on occasion. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of other upcoming events, there's uh, we've also got something coming up in April that uh, it's it's not 100% finalized yet, but something is going to happen. And you've got some, right. some preview coming details. Coming soon to a town near you. Yes. <laughs> no, it's April the 8th at the Transitions Life Care Campus office. Of Trinity Road, we have had multiple discussions on this show about the need to have advanced directives. Advanced directives being uh, a living will or a healthcare power of attorney, essentially direction as to what you want done for you in the event that you can't speak for yourself and who has the right to speak on your behalf. And so we're going to have an event on April the 8th. Well, there will be more details coming out shortly, uh, but it's going to be done in conjunction with the North Carolina Bar Association to provide a free-to-the-public workshop on getting these advanced directives done, and the advanced directives will be there. Well, actually, you'll be able to leave this event with your completed advanced directives uh, at no charge. We're even throwing in pizza. Uh, (laughs) So, look, pizza and advanced directives. You're bribing us to come. Absolutely, I'm bribing you. We'll do anything to get folks in in this community to fill out their advanced directives. It's really critical that someone know what your wishes are and be legally empowered to speak on your behalf if you're not able to. And so this is a particular passion of both of our organizations. It's a personal passion of mine. Um, So there will be more information coming out, but just uh, save the date April the 8th. Yeah, and this is not only important for the people filling out the forms, but for their uh, you know, caregivers and support and family that to have that information available to them is it's huge. It's a, a big burden Every, off their shoulders. Well, and, and the caregivers need to fill them out too. I mean, yeah. we don't know if we're going to get hit by a bus today. That's so, true. And leaving those decisions. 
people when they're going through such a crisis, that's a very, very difficult thing to do to somebody. So it's really important to be able to make your wishes known and make sure that everybody understands what you want in the event of, you know, something catastrophic happening in your life. You know, people ask, when do you need to fill these out? In my opinion, as soon as you hit the age of majority, if yeah. you're 18 years old, yeah, um, you need to have identified who's going to be able to speak on your behalf if you're not able to do it so on your own. And uh, there's a lot of myths and misconceptions about what these documents do or do not do, and we'll address that uh, during the, the workshop on April the 8th. Well, I'll make a note to be there, uh, and not just for the pizza, for, <laughs> for the documents as well. That's that's very important. Now, you guys were talking during the break, and it's it's always fascinating when you guys uh-huh. talk because uh, <laughs> y- you guys have such a loving relationship. And, <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, sibling rivalry. Yeah, and and you mentioned something, and I, I took a note here: um, the hospice home. Um, c- can you tell me a little bit more information about what that is? And y- I know you want to talk a bit about the progress about that, but this is some a concept that's new to me. So I wanted to figure out what what is that. So the inpatient hospice facility that Transitions Life Care operates is the only one of its kind in Wake County. Uh, it currently is a 14 inpatient bed facility with six residential beds, and we don't really have time to go in today uh, to a distinction between inpatient and residential. But essentially, uh, we didn't have enough room in the inn. And so it was time to expand that facility. The community helped us uh, build that, did the, uh, gave us the money to do this about seven years ago. And we're doing a 10-bed expansion. We're expecting that to open in the fall of this year, so the fall of 2017. Uh, we will open uh, 10 new inpatient hospice rooms. And the progress is actually great. You know, we've had a very mild winter. Sure Unusually we have. Wow, mild. I it's, know. So uh, we're looking at um, – the opportunity to expand that building and really be ahead of schedule on on getting it done exciting about it well that's great that uh, that's great and uh we'll we'll keep up with the progress because that's that's got to be a huge asset that would would be added to uh it is tremendous resources because it's, it's the only one in the county well, it's, we a, it's like. a gift it's a real gift to the community for those who you know or just aren't able to manage their symptoms in a particular time you know they can go there and and potentially get those symptoms managed and then go back home where they want to be so I just think that's that's amazing thing for us to be able to do. Supported 100% by community fundraising. It's, yeah. We've raised over Incredible. $6 million uh, through really some very strong leadership gifts in this community that have enabled us to put this resource to work for our community. That's that's incredible and just goes to show, uh, you know, that no place I'd rather be than the, the Triangle. Because, that's right. Um, yeah, that's that's evidence enough of why this is such a special area. Well, we've got just a, a few minutes left here, and uh, I wanted to circle back on our discussion mm-hmm. on Alzheimer's and dementia, and sort of go over this from the the caregiver's perspective, mm-hmm. and and some of the troubles and uh, and worries that they may encounter because it seems like, you know, Alzheimer's and dementia that there's you know occasionally you get a good day and occasionally you get a bad day, mm-hmm. and then eventually those uh flow ebb and flow and it's got to be very stressful on the caregiver because one you never know what day you're going to get and uh you may think okay this is maybe we're in a a good pattern here and then that could just completely change immediately you know you're right jason and i think a lot of times families when they are going through this when they look back hindsight is 2020 right so you start to realize geez you know mom had 25 years of the Good Housekeeping magazine paid for, but she wasn't paying her electric bill, and it's like light bulb goes off. Or, 
Um, you know, Vivian was talking earlier about the isolation part. You know, mom might be saying, because people want to cover this up. When you realize there's something going wrong, you're not going to be shouting from the rooftops, I think there's something wrong with my brain. So the whole isolation thing is a really big warning sign. Um, you know, you might have been going out with your friends playing cards or, or going to social groups or going to the senior center, and suddenly you're saying, I don't feel like it, I'm just too tired, never really enjoyed that anyway. When somebody really has one of those big shifts, that is truly a sign that there is something else going on here. And whether it's depression or dementia, family really should look at that and address it. So when families call Transitions Guiding Lights, a lot of times they're calling us feeling very guilty for not realizing that they didn't see what was going on earlier. They think that maybe they could have stopped it. So part of it is educating. Part of it is connecting them to groups like Alzheimer's North Carolina or the Alzheimer's Association so that they can get the proper education and support. But when the time comes, we want to surround that family caregiver with the resources that they need to help that person maintain their level of independence for as long as possible. So whether it's potentially uh, giving them a referral to an adult daycare center or providing uh, some referrals to a private duty home care agency to come in or looking at those next steps of 10 years down the road or five years down the road, maybe they need to move into an assisted living community. We're really there to walk alongside that caregiver during that journey and families do appreciate that. Again, just uh, the invaluable services provided by Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Uh, please, 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 if, uh, if you need any of that help, uh, you can go to transitionslifecare.org for more information. Special thank you to Vivian Green with Alzheimer's North Carolina for being our guest this week. You can find more information about that organization at ALZNC. Org. We'll be back next week uh, with me, Jason Kong, Nicole Bruno, and Cooper Linton with uh, another great show of Aging Matters, the care and comfort that surrounds you. You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF. <laughs>